We've been talking recently about being bold, so today I'd like to talk about sometimes I'm not bold in my conversations. We've been talking about boldness by going through the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapters 4 and 5, the story of the early church, the first believers in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We've seen so far that boldness is behavior born out of belief. Boldness is behavior that is born out of what you believe. And then we saw a practical application of that last time on this boldness series, and that was that how you pray reflects what you believe about God. So if you believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere present, then you will pray bold prayers. So today, let's talk about boldness in the way we speak and in what we speak about. Because there is a problem today in the church. We don't want to offend anyone, and so we are careful to be politically correct, and thus we don't speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And as a result, we decide that we are just going to let our life, the way we live, be a witness to others. And that sounds good. And it is a good place to start. I mean, we do want our life to be a good witness and point people in the direction of what we believe and the truths that we live by. You know, that there is more to life than just life. And that there is a heaven and a hell. And that Jesus is the king of heaven. And he already has established his kingdom here on earth. Jesus is the king of heaven. And unless you have a personal relationship with the king, you don't enter either into his kingdom now or into his kingdom, heaven, later. And that he has a powerful plan for your life right now. We should live in a way that we communicate those truths. And there are times, however, when we should not just let our lives be a witness. We need to let our words speak loudly and boldly about Jesus. There are times when we need to speak boldly to help people understand the plan and the purpose that God has for them, for every human being. More than just having an assurance that a person is going to heaven when they die. So my key thought again for this series and for today is that boldness is a behavior born out of belief. And today we're going to be speaking about that we can speak boldly about what we believe in deeply. Just find somebody who has a Harley Davidson. And as soon as you start to talk to them, they're talking about motorcycles. Not just motorcycles, but a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Talk to a teenager who has a very serious crush on a video game. And that's what they will be talking about. Or a fisherman. And as soon as the conversation allows, that person will start talking about fishing or their sports team. Because we speak boldly about what we believe in deeply. In the book of Acts, there are so many verses about the early Christians who acted boldly because they believed that Jesus had died and paid the price, paid the penalty for our sin. That on the third day, Easter, he was resurrected from the dead, and he was, and he still is, alive. And because they believed in the resurrection of Christ, they spoke boldly about it over and over again. 
three references or verses out of an almost countless number in the New Testament. Acts 9, 28, about Saul, who used to persecute Christians and even have them killed. And then he met the resurrected Jesus and his whole life was totally transformed. And of course, he was named Paul. In Acts 9.28 it says he was constantly with the disciples of the Lord, moved about freely in the city of Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Acts 14 verse 3 we see Paul with his team member Barnabas, an apostolic team, they spoke boldly. They were preaching boldly, it says, about the grace of the Lord. In Acts 4 verse 31 the earlier follow, early followers of Jesus were under extraordinary pressure, under persecution, and because all because they had been bold and healed a man in public. They were physically beaten by the religious leaders of their day. And then afterwards they found a house church meeting and prayed for even more boldness. And it says in Acts 4.31, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached God's message with, you know it, boldness. So my point is, we speak boldly about what we believe in deeply. So here's the story we've been looking at. Peter and John are leaders in the early church, and they were walking by the door to the temple and passed a man who had not walked in over 40 years. Everybody knew him. He was a beggar who always sat right beside the door to the church asking for money. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Silver and gold we don't have, Peter says, but what we do have, we give it to you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And this man, who had been lame since birth, did. He walked, he ran, he leapt, he danced, and everyone saw it, and it was the buzz of the community. And the religious leaders did not like what that happened and that it was giving Peter and John an opportunity to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, to speak about Jesus boldly. The religious leaders did not believe in the resurrection. And yet this man's healing seemed to point to the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead, is God, and is alive. Peter and John are put on trial, and religious rulers really wanted to either kill them or permanently jail them to keep them from speaking boldly. The problem is, there was a man who could not walk, and now he can walk, and everybody knew it had happened because of Peter and John, because of Jesus. So the religious leaders could not come down too hard on these two apostles. So we're going to read Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 15. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 15. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called Peter and John back to them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, 
they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than forty years old. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And so now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So we see the religious leaders' inner dialogue as they're trying to sort this mess out in verses 15 and 16. So they sent Peter and John out of the room so they could work out a plan. They talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over the city that an outstanding miracle has occurred and that they are behind it. There is no way we can deny it. I love that part of the story. They are saying, we don't really believe Jesus did this, but we can't deny that this man now walks. We don't understand it, but we can't deny it. I love when God does something and it is so obvious that the world looks and says, we don't believe it. We don't understand it, but we cannot deny it. I once prayed for a little girl in Kazakhstan in the village of Arna. And she had uh, not spoken her whole life, actually, and no one, the doctors, could not find out what was wrong with her. And she was about to start her first year in full-time school, and her parents were petrified, concerned, worried, anxious, and so at the end of the service, when I was tired and everything was finished, I sat down with her and they brought her up to me and we sat on the edge of the sanctuary stage and we prayed for her. Nothing happened right then and there. But next week on the Sunday, she stood up, went to the front, took a microphone without being invited, and she stood and praised God for the healing she had received. She talked. Now, you don't have to believe it, but you can't deny it. When I was working in Ukraine the last time, I prayed for a pastor's wife in the city of Nipopetros, and she was dying of terminal cancer, and she got healed. And I've met her since, and she's perfectly well and regained all the weight that she had lost. And you don't have to believe it, but you can't deny it. The religious people in the story in the book of Acts, chapter 4, said, We don't believe it, but we can't deny it. He could not walk for 40 years, and now he's playing hopscotch. 
And this is the context in Acts 4, verse 17. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. And this thing, to stop this thing from spreading, was the Christian faith. The belief in the resurrection of Jesus. Believing that Jesus is alive. Believing that God is truly involved in people's daily lives. Believing that supernatural things, impossible things, are possible. And so the rulers said, we're going to warn them to no longer speak about Jesus. Now remember, we're talking about speaking boldly. And so in verse 18, so they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Commanded them. And with the command, there is a threat of flogging, imprisonment, even death. They were commanded not to speak or teach ever in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help ourselves. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, they believed deeply, and so they spoke boldly. They deeply believed Jesus was resurrected from the dead and was alive and was working with them. They deeply believed that he had given them authority and power to tell the world that he was alive. They deeply believed that they were ambassadors of the kingdom. They deeply believed that they were ministers of reconciliation. And because of that, they spoke up boldly. And if we today believe deeply, then we should speak boldly. In verse 20, Peter said, we cannot help. The Greek means it is not possible for us not to talk. You can threaten us, we will still speak. You can beat us, we will speak even louder. You can put us to death. The last word we will speak will be the name of Jesus. Because if you have seen what we have seen and heard what we have heard, you just have got to tell others about it. It's just that good. If you saw the people we were before Jesus and the people we are now that we know Jesus, if you saw the sins he's forgiven, you would have to talk about it. If you saw the miracles we have seen, you just can't keep it to yourself. In fact, we are called, we are commanded to tell others what Jesus has done and that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is Lord. That's not a foreign idea. We all talk about what we are excited about. You saw a new movie and it was great, you know, a chick flick and you're talking to the other chicklets and you've just got to see it. A new video game and you think it's terrific because it blows everything and everyone up. A new restaurant with incredible service and great food so you will go tell your friends about it. You're excited about your new cell phone. We speak boldly about what we believe in deeply. There are some things you cannot help but tell others about. When you have seen and what we have heard the early follower said, you realize that Jesus was dead, now he's alive. That changes everything, and that should change everything. That should change everything for us. We simply cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard as believers, even what we have read in the scriptures. 
We are not just going to let our lives be a witness to what we believe. There are times when we just have to speak because we believe deep inside of us. You see, we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And there are four areas God wants us to speak boldly about because we believe deeply. Number one, speak boldly to yourself. Because I believe deeply, there are times when I just need to speak boldly to myself. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. At times, we as believers can become somewhat distressed, greatly distressed, disappointed, discouraged, emotionally or spiritually down. It is then when we need to speak to ourselves and do so boldly. David encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself. He preached himself a sermon. I remember when I survived that bear attack. I remember when God helped me to kill Goliath. Job did exactly the same thing. He's a believer in the God, a brother, who is having trouble with lust, and he's had trouble with lust for decades, and he couldn't seemingly overcome it. But every day he encouraged himself. Job 31, verse 1, I have a covenant with my eyes not to lustfully look at a woman. He preached that sermon to himself. He encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself, and God's word transformed his mind and set him free. You can do the same thing. Some of the best sermons I preach, you never hear. I preach them to myself. I preach so good sometimes that I give myself an offering. The sermons were just that good. Next time you're overwhelmed with life, preach to yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Overwhelmed with the day you're facing? Preach to yourself. When I am weak, he is strong. It is not by my power or my might, but by my, your spirit, my spirit, says the Lord. When you are afraid, preach to yourself. God has not given to me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you are worried, preach to yourself. I will not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, I will submit my request to God, and I will let the peace of God, which supersedes all my understanding, guard my heart and my soul in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. Because I believe so deeply, I need to encourage myself in the Lord. But secondly, we need to speak boldly to encourage others, Christians, brothers and sisters in Jesus. Because I believe so deeply, it should be that I can't help but encourage you by telling you how good God really is. I've been working with a young man in Manitoba who has come off of an old colony, Mennonite old colony, where everything was controlled, what he could do, what he could say, how he could dress. Now he's on his own. And I've just been encouraging him. And he wrote me the other day and he said, I love how you're willing to invest so much effort and time in my life. I have experienced that very little, especially from someone, a leader, like you. Makes me feel like how I'm worth your time. Really means a lot. Thanks. 
I believe that Christians should be the most encouraging people on the planet. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. So every day we should be encouraging each other, daily. We should be encouraging each other, telling them who they are in Christ, that they were made in God's image, that God has a wonderful plan for their life, that God is deeply in love with them, that God believes in them. And people will rise to their potential if we will just encourage them. And we need to be speaking encouragingly every day. With the young men that I work with in various countries, including our own, I'm constantly telling them, I believe in you. I appreciate you. You are important to me. Thank you for being you. You'll never know how your encouragement may change someone's life. So I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Keep on going. God will bring you through. Things will improve because Romans 8.28 says all things work together for, for those who love God. Galatians 6.9 says don't grow weary in doing good. You will in time reap a harvest. So don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't give up on God because God will never give up on you. Sometimes we just need to boldly speak encouraging words to other believers. They just simply need to be encouraged. Because when you believe deeply, you have to speak boldly. Number three, we speak boldly in love to correct others. We speak boldly in love to correct others. And that works for Christians and sometimes for non-Christians. Not as much fun as just encouraging people, but very, very important. There are times when I believe so much in what God is saying and that what God is saying is right and I believe that what God is saying is wrong that I just have to lovingly correct you. You know, don't go out and be the jerk for Jesus. Don't be overbearing, controlling, and manipulative. Don't go hold up a sign that says repent or go to hell. It may be true, but it's not loving. Biblical correction is when you speak lovingly to someone who has stepped outside the boundaries of God's Word and are not believing that what God says is right is right, and they're not believing what God said is wrong is wrong. And because they're stepping outside the boundaries of God's Word, they're hurting themselves. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is in Christ. So you know someone who is addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to gambling. Go to them and speak the truth in love. Because you love them too much to let them harm themselves in this way. So you speak boldly, not because you have it all together. You speak boldly, not because you're better than they are but because you believe deeply in what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And when you believe deeply, you speak boldly. And the fourth one, my favorite, speak boldly about Jesus to those who don't know him. In other words, you should be witnessing and evangelizing. Because I believe so deeply in who Jesus is and what he did, 
on the cross and continues to do today, I can't help but lead people towards Christ, closer to Christ. This is what the disciples said. You can beat us up. You can lock us up. You can kill us. Verse 20 in chapter 4 of Acts. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We are just going to do it. You can't talk us out of it. It's never, ever going away. You may ask, and some do, do you actually try every day to tell people that they need to turn from their sins, repent, and come to personally know Jesus? Absolutely. Every day. And why would you do that? Because I believe Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only source of life. John 14, 6. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help talk, but talk, but talk to people about Jesus in the hope of moving them towards or closer to him. If you don't speak boldly, then maybe you don't believe deeply. Let me say it again. If you don't speak boldly, then maybe you don't believe deeply. When you believe deeply, you can't live like the world. You can't sell your soul for material things. You can't just go with the flow, run with the herd. When you believe deeply, there is something in you, deep in you, that says, I am going to speak up and speak out and make a difference. You are simply not able to keep it to yourself. You must tell others who Jesus is, and what he has done, and what he is doing in your life. You cannot stop talking about what you've seen and heard. Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. So, I'll wrap it all up. You speak boldly because you believe deeply. You speak boldly to yourself. You speak boldly as you encourage other believers. You speak boldly in love to correct others, both believers and non-believers, because what God says is good is good, and what God says is bad is bad. And you speak boldly to lead others to Christ. Next time we're going to look at speaking boldly and obeying boldly.